Our reading is from Daniel chapter 1. If you're following in the church Bibles, it's page 884. Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the kings of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked for the chief asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants. For 10 days, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In any, every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. 
And thank you, Angela. Uh, there are always some folks among us who are finding their way into Christian faith. If you don't know the story of Daniel, you've probably heard of Daniel in the lion's den. This is the same Daniel. It's a cracking story. I recommend it to you for your bedtime reading, at least the first six chapters for bedtime reading. After that, it gets a bit heavier, and you are thoroughly absolved if you find it tricky after that. Most of us do. Uh, but the, the stories are great. Uh, let me just introduce the theme. If you turn to the front of your February notice sheet, you'll see a picture of a fish going against the flow. If we'd been able to tweak the picture, we might have had two or three fish, but the, the, the point is the same. We increasingly live in a society that, while it used to have Christian values, increasingly doesn't. Uh, and as Christian people, often we find that the values we share are not fully shared by the world around us. Uh, one example from this week... Uh, the government have changed the rule on civil partnerships so that heterosexual people can have civil partnerships if they want. And so the House of Bishops updated their guidance on civil partnerships, which was issued 15 years ago, uncontroversially stating a Christian understanding of marriage and what that had to say about civil partnerships. 15 years ago, no one batted an eyelid. The world has moved on enormously now. And we have a very different understanding as Christians of God's place for sex within heterosexual lifelong marriage as opposed to the world's understanding. It hit a media storm this week. Some of you will have seen in the papers or the radio adverts, uh, radio interviews. What on earth are the bishops doing? They're so out of touch. They're not out of touch. But as a church, we are out of step increasingly with our society. Uh, Twas ever thus, a friend of mine, Ian Paul, has been doing radio interviews. And he said to everyone not the strangest thing we believe, you know. We believe in a Jewish man who was raised from the dead who's the saviour of the world. That's probably the strangest thing we believe. And it's not surprised we're out of step with some of what the world believes. Now, of course, for those of you who grew up, as I did, kind of in Christendom, a sort of a sense of the nation having the same Christian values as the church, this is a shock uh, for our children and young people growing up. This is what they're used to. And for the early, early church... They, the early church grew in the Roman Greek culture, very, very different values. And we have much to learn from the people in the scriptures about living godly lives graciously in a society that doesn't necessarily hold the same values as we do. So that's what this going against the flow is about. In the evenings, we're preaching through 1 Peter. Peter writes to Christians scattered around uh, the Mediterranean, exiles, citizens of heaven, living in a culture which doesn't share their values. In the mornings, we're looking at the book of Daniel, uh, which comes from the 6th century BC, where the Jewish nation was overrun by the Babylonians, and Daniel and others were in exile in Babylon. Uh, very different values, not the godly world of the Jewish nation. So they had to learn how to live a godly lives in a different culture. Uh, here endeth the long introductory flannel. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll crack on with Daniel 1. Lord Jesus, your church throughout history has tried to live for you, as we've sung in so many of our songs today, whether the world around us shares those values or not. We praise you that the church has grown and is growing throughout the world for those who stayed true to you under great pressure. And we pray for us as we think about living godly lives in a world which doesn't share all the Christian values we hold anymore. May we learn from Peter in the evenings and Daniel in the mornings. And for each of us today, speak, we pray. And if there are particular issues we are facing, would you speak to them? 
uh, as we listen to your word now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so there is the introduction to the, to the book of Daniel. Uh, do you remember the film Chariots of Fire? Uh, we've gone back a long way. We went back to the 90s with our early songs. This is going back earlier. This is about 1980, I think. I can't remember. Eric Little, wonderfully gracious Scotsman, good at rugby, very fast, selected for the Olympics to run the 100 metres when he found the, the Olympic heats for the 100 metres on the Sunday. And his, for him, he chose not to run on the Lord's Day. Uh, great pressure. Even the king tried to persuade him to run because he probably got the gold medal, and he said no. For him, that was where the line was drawn. Uh, so they got him. He didn't run in the 100 metres, but they gave him a place in the 400 metres. And if you remember the film, as he lines up, an American athlete comes and gives him a bit of paper. And on the bit of paper is written a verse from the Bible, him that honours me, him will I honour, American Christian athlete. And he scrunched it up in his hand. And as he won the gold medal, pawing the air, if you remember it, those of you who are old like me, it's a good film, those of you who are young, if you haven't seen it, uh, he's holding this bit of paper, those who honour me, those will I honour. I often think about that when I think about Daniel, this young man called into a foreign country who chooses to honour God above everything else, and God honours him dramatically. I've uh, got three main points, I often have three points. I don't usually have clever headings, but I have today. They're not mine. Uh, I heard David Pryor teach on this at Spring Harvest in 1989, and his headings were so good, I've nicked them, and I've remembered them. They're three. For those of you who like clever word headings, it's your lucky day. It doesn't happen very often. Those of you who don't, don't worry. At the first point, Daniel was forced to be an exile. I've got three FEs for you, courtesy of David Pryor from 30 years ago. Uh, he was forced to be an exile. So if you don't know your Old Testament history intimately, this is around 600 BC, 597 to be precise. The Babylonians are the new superpower. They have conquered the Assyrians, the previous world superpower, and the Egyptians. They are it. And they've been besieging Jerusalem. Life has been very difficult in Jerusalem. And eventually, they breach the wall, they conquer. Uh, they take the king, the leaders, the officials, the gold from the temple, and lots of the promising young people, the educated folks, and take them off to Babylon. And they leave the poor of the land to look after the fields. Daniel is probably a teenager, probably a young teenager carted off to exile in this totally foreign country. It is a land full of material wealth. It would have blown his mind. He's been living in a siege in Jerusalem where there's been very little to go around, and suddenly this prosperity. It's a land that worships other gods. They worship the sun god and the moon god and all sorts of other gods. And Daniel would have had a crisis of faith. Uh, his God, it looked like, had been defeated by the Babylonians. Was his God not so powerful? Actually, Daniel believed the true God who made heaven and earth was powerful. And it was probably in those days that the Old Testament got a final edit, uh, the first books. And Genesis 1 talks about God who made the sun and the moon that the Babylonians worshipped. The Jews were very clear who they worshipped. Uh, but there was lots of paganism going on, lots of other religions uh, that would have been confusing. And the infinite possibilities to an educated young man at the heart of the world empire, the Babylonians, was extraordinary. But he was a good Jewish boy who wanted to serve his God. And so there was going to be some tension. 
Now, we find ourselves in the West in a very rich materialistic culture that increasingly worships other gods, not the sun and the moon, but wealth and success and celebrity and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, we thought last week when I preached, the, preached on the first chapter of 1 Peter that we are exiles, we're citizens of heaven living in this world. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ, as it were. Ambassador represents king and country in a foreign land. And we represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in the United Kingdom. I thank God that many of the Christian values that this nation has held are still there. And if you scratch below the surface, many people still hold many of these. Uh, all is not lost, and we need to pray for our nation to come back to Jesus. But increasingly among the rules that are made, uh, we find ourselves out of step with the society we're in. Uh, and Daniel knew exactly what that was. There's much, of us to learn, much for us to learn from him. Forced to be an exile. Second FE. He was the first to be an exception. Thank you, Angela, for reading the story so nicely. Uh, Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. I remember them from my Sunday school by their Babylon names, Shajak, Meshach, and Abednego. And we'll meet them in the fiery furnace uh, before too long. Uh, they are a sort of formation, as we talk about prayer trips or formations, they're together. And Daniel, together with his friends, says there's a line to be drawn. I'm amazed where they draw the line. He says yes to the pagan education. He would have been educated in Babylon University, full of astrology and occult stuff. And he didn't refuse to go to the education. Uh, he was prepared for a political career in Babylon Empire. And there must have been some old Jews saying no Jewish boy should do that. This is terrible. But he was happy to do that. He allowed his name to be changed to a name based on a Babylon god. Bel was one of the gods of Babylon. And he becomes Belteshazzar and is known by the name of another religion's god. And he doesn't balk at that. But for him, it's the issue of the king's food and drink. We don't know why. This is not primarily about vegetarianism. But for him, that's where the line was drawn. Uh, we don't know precisely why. It may be that eating the king's food and drink implied a loyalty to the king that only should belong to God. We don't know. I'm quite glad we don't know, because it leaves it open for us that in our world, there will be a line to be drawn somewhere when we are compromising our faith. It's not clear where those are. Some of us, in different situations, the line will be drawn in slightly different places. For some of us as the church as a whole, there will be lines with society to be drawn. Whatever it was, Daniel was the first to be an exception, and he said no to this. For some reason, his faith would be compromised. Now, for some of you, it will be a workplace issue. Uh, you may be required to tell lies or falsify accounts, and everybody's doing it, and your job might be threatened if you don't. And that might be the line. I remember a wonderful secretary I met when I was a curate in Chesterfield. I was at the door, as I often am, Arthur said, how are you? She gave me a big smile and said, I lost my job this week. I said, I'm really sorry. What happened? She said, well, the boss wanted me to write a letter full of lies. And I said, no. And he said, I'm not having anybody sit in judgment over me. And she said, I thought, well, one day you will have, but I didn't say it. <laughs> and she lost her job. A month later, she came back to me with another big beam and said, I got a new job. I said, oh, yes. She said, the same man had lost his PA. 
And he, said, he phoned me up and said, I need someone I can trust. Will you come and be my PA? Isn't that brilliant? But she didn't know that would happen, that she drew the line somewhere, just as Eric Little did in Chariots of Fire. The line will be drawn. Uh, the House of Bishops has put down a, a perfectly traditional statement on Christian marriage this week. The world has moved on and it's created a bit of a storm. Do pray for Bishop Christopher, who's chairing the Living in Love and Faith project. I wasn't planning on saying much about this till next term when it becomes public and the media will, take, will want to know and people want to know what you think, and we will talk about it next term. But the Church of England is allowing a debate. Uh, anyone is entitled to argue that doctrine should be changed, but they can't set it a, aside, and we need to pray the Church of England stays faithful to the Scriptures. Uh, but that would put us increasingly out of step with the world around us, so be it. Uh, it may be to do with finances and something to do with your finance. I don't know, it may be a relationship thing. There will be a line somewhere where your baptism vows of Jesus is Lord gets called in. Whenever I prepare people for baptism and talk about the Jesus is Lord vow, I say, I don't know where that vow will get called in, but it will do. It might be your time, it might be your money, it might be your relationships, I don't know. But there will be a point where you have to choose. If I say yes to that, I'm saying no to Jesus. And uh, we mustn't judge each other because we live in different circumstances and some of these lines are drawn in different places. Uh, just as for me, when I watched Chariots of Fire, I played a sport, a funny old sport called real tennis. They've got a court here in Leamington. And all the matches were at weekends and we had to train. So I always took Monday off and, I wouldn't, and we had a day where we didn't train on Monday. And I took the one in seven principle, drew the line differently to Eric Little. Uh, I wasn't as talented as him and God didn't bless me in sporting success as much as him. But that was what I did for what it's worth. Uh, we don't judge each other. We need to help each other stay faithful to Jesus wherever the line is drawn. Whatever it was, he settled it in advance. Uh, this verse 8 of our passage, uh, let's put up verse 8. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. The resolve, it's a very, he was very clear that he was not going to do this. But he acted very graciously. He wasn't bolshy about it. Uh, sometimes I've been a bit bolshy about drawing a line, or some, some of the church can be a bit aggressive. That rarely helps. Uh, he, he talks with his friends. Let's read verses 9 to 14 again. God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And if you know anything about Nebuchadnezzar, he would have done off with his head would have been his basic way of operating if and he didn't like someone. So Daniel then said to the guard, who had the official had appointed, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Uh, then compare our appearance with the others and you do what you see fit. So he's very gracious about it. He's decided to draw the line, but he acts with courtesy and grace. He's not bolshy. He doesn't want to get the official into trouble. Uh, he's not going to be put off by discouragement. And just graciously, he draws this line. Uh, so here's your third FE. He was forced to be an exile. He was first to be an exception. And he was found to be excellent. Don't you like that? Uh, I remember that from 30 years ago. Apologies, I don't come up with those sort of things myself most weeks. Uh, let's read verses 15 to 21. Daniel's found to be excellent. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Let's keep going. 
I mean, can we keep going? There we go. Oh, well, let's stick with 15. No, 15 and 16. We'll split it up. Sorry about this. The poor old projectionists have a hard time. I give them a list, and then I do things in different order. <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, he's found to be excellent in his health. The test is about his health. And Daniel and his friends look healthier. So God's honoured them in their health. Then he's found to be excellent in his job three years later. So verse 18 to 20. There we go. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, that's three years, the chief official presented them to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better. Actually, Hebrew literally ten hands better. So better translation would be five times better, really. Most of us have two hands. But you get the idea. They were a whole lot better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. So in his job, God has honored him. He's learned a new language. He's understood their history. He's understood their culture. He's learned about all sorts of things, some of which will have stretched his faith. He's been examined. He's wise. And they are promoted into the fast track of the civil service in Babylon. And in his particular ministry... Can we go back to verse 17? Is that possible? He is given a particular gifting. Here we are. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams. Now, if you know the book of Daniel, you'll know just how helpful that was going to be. If you don't, read on at bedtime, because they're good stories. But God gifted him with just what was needed in the culture at the time. I love that. Daniel puts God first in a difficult situation and God gives him supernatural gifts which unlock stuff in years to come. Truly wonderful. And he stays in the service of the kings of Babylon for the whole of the exile. That is 60 years at least. Did you see verse 21, the last verse of our reading? If we can put up verse 21 if we've got it there. Maybe at the end of the reading, Mark, it's coming. We'll get there in a minute. But it says Daniel stayed in this, in the, he remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, you, again, you may not be on top of your 6th century BC history, but Cyrus was the king of the Medes and Persians. The Medes and Persians conquered the Babylonians uh, round about 540, 530 something BC. And they became the new superpower. And the Medes and Persians were the new superpower. And years later, they fought against the Spartans in 300 and all that. Anyway. The, Sixty years later, Daniel starts as a teenager. In his 70s, he is still there serving in the Babylonian civil service. And that was when Daniel in the lion's den happened, when he was an old man in his 70s. Now, what does that say to us? There will be an issue for you and for me about where we draw the line and are we going to live with Jesus as Lord or are we not? There'll be an issue for the Church of England on this one, I suspect. None of us expected to be focused on sexual ethics and morality. When I was ordained, I was sure it would be on other religions, that would be the issue. But are we going to be true to the scriptures, or are we going to go with the spirit of the age, which would be very unwise. If you marry the spirit of the age, as they say, you become a widower in the next. <laughs> Stayed faithful to the scriptures and God honours for all history. We are told by Jesus in Matthew 5.16 to let our light so shine before others they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We don't hide away. Daniel didn't hide away. 
we'll see in weeks to come. He was very public about his faith. He was gracious, but he didn't hide away. It was dangerous. It cost him, but God honored him. I love the way throughout this chapter, Daniel 1, uh, the writer keeps saying that God is the one who's really in charge. Everybody else in Babylon would have thought Nebuchadnezzar was in charge. But behind it all, God reigns. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. The kings of Judah had gone so godless after hundreds of years of warnings from the prophet, the Lord said, that is enough. If you won't serve me properly, you'll be carried into exile. And so it happened. But God's hand was over that when it looked a total disaster. Daniel chapter 1, verse 9. God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Behind the scenes, God knows about your bosses. He knows about the government. Uh, in Isaiah, God even calls Cyrus my servant. Now, whatever your politics, have you ever thought of Boris Johnson in those terms? <laughs> uh, God, is, God reigns. Chapter 1, verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. You see, the whole way through this chapter, it's that the Lord reigns. So if you are feeling a bit Eeyore-like about the state of the nation and its Christian faith, lift your eyes. The Lord still reigns. In godless environments, the church has tended to thrive better than often in recent Christendom. The kingdom may well grow. We need to pray for our nation to come back to the Lord, pray for our prime minister and our government and officials. But most, first of all, it starts with you and me. We stay faithful to Jesus when it's costly. Uh, yesterday morning at the Saturday morning prayer meeting, we focused on these verses from Psalm 1, Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Ultimately, there's a choice. Are we going to walk in step with a godless society, aiming for an easy life, or are we going to delight in the word of the Lord and, med and let that shape us? There is a blessing for not walking in step with the ungodly. And then it goes on to say, those who meditate on God's law, his words, day and night, are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in season, whose leaf does not prop up wither, whatever they do prosper. If we put our roots deep down into Jesus, we're like a tree by the stream that's always nourished, that even when there's times of drought going on, there's fruit. It's attractive to those who are struggling. We are surrounded by people with anxiety and depression and wondering, is there a better way to live? And we say yes, and Jesus shows us the way. So we need to be rooted in him and to live like that. There will, of course, be those who attack us, who hate what we stand for. It has always been that way. Remember that wonderful secretary in Chesterfield? She stood for Jesus. Uh, she was sacked, and then a little while later, she got a big promotion uh, because she had been faithful. Remember Eric Little, him that honors me, I will honor. Even if you forget both of those, remember Daniel who was a young man resolved to put God first, even if it cost him, and then was honoured by the Lord. Uh, would you stand and let's pray together, and perhaps the band would come back ready to lead us in our next song. Uh, a word of explanation for any visitors. I'm going to lead in a prayer that picks up some of these themes. 
We're going to invite God by His Spirit just to keep ministering to us, perhaps deepen that ministry. We'll be still for a couple of minutes. Really good chance for you to explore with the Lord any questions in your own head. It wouldn't surprise me if for lots of you, God has already put into your mind a particular issue that for you is an issue of trust. Do you trust the Lord or do you trust, I don't know, your bank balance or uh, the world around us or your reputation or whatever it is? It'd be something like that. And then we'll pray that the Lord would give us courage to live for him. So Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, we bow before you. You reign. We praise you that you are risen from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, and that one day you will come again and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord of lords and King of kings. Give us grace, we pray, to live for you and your kingdom in this day and age. Pour out your Holy Spirit, we pray, on your church worldwide, on your church in this nation, but especially now on us gathered here today. Fill us with your Spirit and minister to us deeply as we're still before you. Let's be still. We were praying before the service. Someone had a picture of Jesus walking on the water to the disciples in the storm, saying, it is I, don't be afraid. And Jesus says to you, in whatever situation you are facing, it is I, he is there. Look to him, don't be afraid. Someone else had a picture of one person with one candle in the dark, feeling they were on their own. And then as they looked, they saw other people with candles joining them and the light grew. It took Daniel to stand and his three friends then with him. That would have given courage to many others in Babylon at the time. If you stand for Jesus, others will draw alongside you. It may be, of course, there are other things on your mind Someone else had a picture of a broken zip. At least it looked broken, but then they saw it could be mended, just needed a bit of care. And they felt there was someone here who was feeling that about their relationship, thinking it had broken. But God is the God of grace and restoration. So don't give up. I'd love to... Any of those things uh, are for you. We'd love to pray for you after the service. Uh, our prayer team be available after the service. But for now, we're going to sing. And as we sing, Lord Jesus, we pray you'd continue to pour your spirit down, continue to strengthen us to live for you, whatever we face. We pray for ourselves individually, for our church. We pray for the Church of England and for the bishops after the bumpy week they've had. We pray for your church where life is much tougher in lands where they're persecuted for their faith. Give us grace to live for you. 
to shine our light. And we praise you that you reign. So continue to minister to us as we sing. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.